Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and welcome to the uh, final episode of Gold Squadron Gays. And not only have we peaked with this episode of television, uh, but Bradley, I don't know if you saw this, uh, but Game of Thrones is getting a sequel series. Uh, so unfortunately, that does mean we will end our Star Wars coverage and go back to being uh, Game of Thrones podcasters. We're going to get in on that market early before the boom is returns. Uh, I feel like you're overhyping this because that's like what people are doing with Avatar 2. They're overhyping. It's um, like the delivery is not going to be what you want, guys. Like it's not going to redeem the first one. <laughs> well, well, all we know about the sequel series that's reportedly in development. So the Hollywood Reporter reported on it. Uh, it's about Jon Snow really the, the least interesting person in the whole entire show right R- Arya is right there Brienne of Tarth is right all, there <laughs> spoilers for Game of Thrones don't watch the past back back two seasons of Game of Thrones uh just read the Wikipedia but uh yeah like Arya's right there she's right there and Maisie Williams isn't doing anything pay her a boatload of money and let her <sighs> No, this is not our final episode of Gold Squadron Gays. We have other Star Wars to do. Uh, it's, uh, it's just weird because I was so into Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. I was one of those people that was, like, super into it. I also didn't hate season eight as much. So it ended and I was like, hmm, There's eight seasons? That was bad. There's eight seasons. Did you know they made eight seasons of Game of Thrones, Bradley? So weird. I, I, know, I genuinely thought crazy. it was, like, five or six. No, it's eight. They made That's eight. That's wild. There was I've seen it all. seven and stuff happened in it. Interesting. Yes, we previously established in one of our most popular TikToks, uh, which should be returning with this episode, that you okay, have, okay. in fact, seen all of Game of Thrones. All right. Well, we don't have any news. I, I think we're close to hashing out a schedule for Andor and Bad Batch, but we're not quite ready to announce that. Yet. His right. eyes just rolled listeners straight up into the back of his head. I mean, if Lucasfilm would just get their shit together and just release Andor, or honestly start with Bad Batch, just release Bad Batch right after Kenobi finale, just the next week, I, just do it. <laughs> I wish that it we had taken gone, us through the whole entire summer. I wish we had gone the Dark Side Divas or the first steps route of just watching it in chronological order and not having to worry about this shit. Because uh, I swear easy. to God, <laughs> listeners peek behind the curtain. We talk about scheduling. As far as production goes, obviously Bradley and I talk about a lot of things outside of the show, but as far as production for the show goes, solid 80% of the conversations we have are about scheduling and trying to figure out the schedule. Okay. It's it's bliss, it's batshit, it's insane. Well, we don't have any news, but, and I, I won't want to call this a thing Charles fucked up. That would be incorrect. It would more like a thing Charles said and the new information came out. In episode two, identified the droid bounty hunter as Forlom. A lot of people identified the droid bounty hunter as Forlom. They recently released a, um, was it Black Series figurine, Bradley? Yeah, yeah uh, that ident- That gave us who that actually is. It's not Forlom. It's a character named One Jack, One J-A-C. So there's my okay. correction. There's the, again, I'm not going to call it a thing Charles fucked up. I can't be blamed for that one. I'm absolving right. myself of the responsibility for that one. 
Because everybody else did the same mistakes. Because everybody else did the same thing. I would normally say here, Bradley, you want to take us into the episode, but I think we actually want to address some stuff that happened before the episode. Yeah, I I guess the first thing that would have popped up would have been uh, a trigger warning. Yes, there is an actual content warning on this, which, good, good job. I was a little surprised to see it, and then when I saw it, I immediately went, I know what's going to happen this episode. Same. I, I, I know, thought what, I too, know yeah. what we're about to see, but it was good because I was kind of bracing for it. And then when it happens, we'll get to what it is. Uh, it is done in such a way that is genuinely horrifying. And so I was glad to have a bit of warning that, hey, you're going to watch this in this episode. I do think yeah. it, it could have been a little more specific. Again, it was like very also, vague. I was it, like... Also, if you've seen... The first four episodes, you probably know what's coming, but yeah, maybe it could be a little more specific. Yeah, Although yeah. I know, Bradley, you want to talk about the logo. Yes. Okay. So wait, <laughs> I have two sets of notes here. I have notes about just the episode Christ. and then I have notes about the opening. So <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bradley. Let's, let's, let's twirl it back to uh, the first episode we covered, uh, part one where we talked about the new Star Wars logo opening, right? It's always different for every show. They always change it all the time. Right. So I want to talk about something I noticed that was weird. So as far as I knew, part one, part two, and part three, I didn't really think anything of it because I always skip the logos the second time I watch steps. You know what I mean? If I'm going to watch episode two, three, four, five, six, I'll just skip the logos. It doesn't matter. Right. Or, and the recaps. I, Cause I know it. I literally just watched it the week. Before. I literally just watched the show. Yeah. I, exactly. I saw what happened. So I'd been skipping the intro until five. And I was like, huh, I noticed the star Wars logo was different. Yes. They changed it. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Let me go back and watch and see if when they changed it. So Episodes are part one, two, and three all have the same Star Wars logo opening. It starts with R2-D2, and remember we said it had the armor and stuff and the mouse droid, and we thought that was weird, and it ends with um, Darth Vader. Then in part four, they change it and to what it probably should have been before, like on the first episode, because it would have had, it has new characters in it. It starts with Ned B, which is really awesome. The second thing, I took a picture of it because I had no fucking clue what the second thing was. I thought it was a grill, like an outdoor grill. And it's some kind of droid. Do you know what it is? Because I have no idea. Jesus. Uh, let me I'll show you a the... picture of it. Please, please uh, drop in, in our chat. Please I'm... drop a picture and I will take okay. a look at it. I'm doing that right now. You are going to be like, what the actual F is this stupid thing? I swear to you, I thought it was, um, I literally thought it was like a barbecue. Like, I was like, what is this? What in the fuck is that? It's like a is kitchen it? sink or something. Oh, I know what that is. Please That's share. the gonk droid from episode one. What? You can kind of see the gonk droid down below. It's the one with the punch card. Oh, it's the punch card. It's the droid. punch card droid. Oh my It's fuck. the punch card droid. Okay, but see, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so so the first droid is Ned B, and then this one is the punch card droid. I was so weird. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm glad we have that. It makes sense. Okay, so that was the second thing that was weird. And then it's regular characters up until um, the second to last one. There's Lola. Yes. As one of the characters. And then it, it again, it ends on Vader. 
So they all end on Vader, which is interesting. And both of them have C-3PO and R2-D2 in them, which is also weird. That tracks. Uh, yeah. That was five minutes on the logo. Okay, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Before the episode. But Let's I thought see. it was weird that they changed it halfway through. Bradley, you are literally the only person that watches these logos. I need you to Clearly, because I had to watch it myself to figure this information out. I couldn't look it up. It's not like on Wikipedia as like a trivia. They're putting things in there directly for you. They're fucking <laughs> with you with this logo. This is for you. You're the only person that watches them. Anyway, all that to say is the second version of it makes more sense for this show because it has actual characters from the show in it. Yeah, they really probably should have just started with that. Yeah, it was so weird. I'm wondering honest. if they changed it for a reason. Uh, I think because they had revealed all the characters at that point. I, I think that's exactly what it was. Episode three, and then for episode four, they were just like, oh, there you go. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Anyway, let's get into it. because we Let's really get into the episode because we're going to be here for a while. Right. This week, we're going to talk about uh, part five of Kenobi. This week, the Empire is closing in on Kenobi. Reva's true intentions are revealed. Members of the path are lost during the battle. And Kenobi escapes Darth Vader for now. Charles, what is one thing you liked and only one thing you liked about this episode? And what is one nitpick that you of this episode? I'm glad you said one one nitpick instead of one thing you dislike. Yeah, because I don't know if you Um, can really pick something. The cinematography in this episode was a man. I would let that man do unspeakable things to me. This show is so pretty and so (laughs) creative in its use of camera angle in its use of reflection in its use of cuts the directing deborah chow anything you want anything you any project you want after this you should be able to get because this was immaculate this was direction this was direction through the medium of film like there's directors who can direct actors really well but maybe their shot composition isn't that interesting. There's directors who can shoot a really interesting movie, but maybe their actors aren't giving the best performance. Everything about this, immaculate. The direction of the actors, perfect. The cinematography, perfect. The shot choices, perfect. Shout out to whoever's the cinematographer, whoever's doing the lighting on this. Shout out to you. Fantastic. And so fucking, I, there's two specific shots and one in particular that I will point out is maybe being my favorite shot in all of Star Wars. Ooh. Good God, this episode is a feast for the eyes. The one nitpick I'm going to have uh, about this episode and I am going to invoke the rare card of no. Like you <laughs> no. almost did last week, but then you're like, oh, okay, wait, I almost did last week. And I picked one specific shot that right. I thought the cape was no. Nothing. This beginning to end, I maybe we'll find something over the course of the episode that I'm like, what's going on here? But no, no, I I have nothing. Like I I try to be fair and balanced on this show, uh, and my fair and balanced looking at it is, I can't come up with anything. See, because like I wanted to say when I first watched the episode on my phone, because I watched it on my phone initially. I wanted to say, oh, there wasn't enough stormtroopers. Then I watched the episode on my computer screen and I was like, oh, there's actually a fuckload of stormtroopers. Oh my God. (laughs) What the fuck was I on about? No, no, I have nothing. I have nothing. Bradley, one thing you liked and one thing you didn't. Um, I really like that we got Reva's character growth slash backstory in this episode. I was, I knew it was coming and I wasn't prepared. Um, I, cause I thought I, 
pretty much knew the story, which we were pretty 99% correct about her story to a, to an extent. And there is one person and I will shout them out when we get to it. There is one person who was correct about what was going on with Reba. I have back listened to all of my podcasts. So all 10 podcasts, stories, podcasts that I actually have time to listen to. I have back listened to them all. And there is one podcast that called it. But other than that, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah were, well, we were pretty sure, a but lot of, I liked it. A lot of people very quickly. Well, and somebody pointed out, I can't remember who it was on TikTok because people have been dunking on the same guy correctly because he's a moron. Well, maybe he's just an experienced at this sort of thing because there is a difference between being a fanboy and having an opinion and having an opinion that's like good. But one of the things that was pointed out in the dunking was part of the issue with some of the criticism of the show was that people didn't know the difference between like something to critique and something you just needed to be patient about. And when they pointed to the Reva knows who Vader is in episode two, and they're like, nope, plot hole, plot hole. She shouldn't know that. The black lady shouldn't know that, which is really what they were saying. No, if if you just kept watching. They literally you told seen, you exactly how she knows. They literally told you. Oh, you know who you know who had the best take that I'd seen today? It was gingers or plants. Uh, when they said something to the effect of the way the show is designed, it is designed that Reva knowing who Vader was is the sort of thing that it was intended for people to theorize about. You were supposed to look at that and you were supposed to say, wow, how does she know who Vader is? Right. Let's come up with theories. The problem is this criticism is bad fit. She didn't make this point. I'm making this point. The problem is the criticism was bad faith. But then she makes the point that there were issues where people were being like, that is a plot hole. And then the, the conversation was around, is this a plot hole? Not how does Reva know who Vader is? That was a tangent. Bradley, please continue with the thing you liked and the thing you did not. The thing I did not like, and again, this is a total nitpick. This is something that like it did not actually bother me. So I want to preface by saying it was not that big a deal. Had they had another month or two or something like that, then this is something you could theoretically fix and or would not change it for me. It would just be like a nice I know what like, you're thing. about to say, and I'm going to fight you about it. Uh, okay. I did not like Anakin flashbacks taking place before episode two because I didn't think they did a good enough job to making him look younger. We're going to come back to that in a second because I am going to disagree with you on that and I'm going to explain why I think they didn't do that. Okay. I mean, that was, again, this is a nitpick. This is something where I'm (laughs) like, I just, I viscerally know what Anakin looks like in Attack of the Clones because that was the movie that I watched the most and I know what he looks like in Attack of the Clones. I know how young he is in that movie and to know how old he is now playing the same basically age. It's It's it's, again, it's a nitpick. It's not you saying this is a problem. It's you saying this is a mild bit of cognitive dissonance for me. Yes. It's, just a t- okay. it's, t- it's tiny. Like it is a minuscule problem. Cause again, every time they went back to the flashbacks, I was like, I was in it. Like I got it. You know what I mean? It was just that something about it. I was like, why doesn't he look just a tad younger? Like, it's just, it's just something in my brain where I know what he's supposed to look like. And so I was just like, ah. Whatever. Anyway, it's not a big deal. We'll get to that when we get into the episode. So why don't you go ahead and take us into the episode? Because that's literally my second note. Absolutely. Our story begins with a flashback of Kenobi meeting with his Padawan, Anakin Skywalker. 
where the two have a sparring match. In the present, Riva is promoted to Grand Inquisitor for finding Kenobi's location on Jabim. Meanwhile, Kenobi and crew meet up with Haja on Jabim, who is now on the run from the Empire. Yeah, Anakin fucking Skywalker. <laughs> I mean... I I love... I, as an ardent uh, Attack of the Clones not enjoyer very much, yeah. I love love that they picked before attack of the clones yes love it why because it would have been so easy to do the clone wars because the clone wars is the popular show everybody loves you know the anakin from the clone wars and they didn't do that they let hayden go back and play the same role that he played 20 years ago which i thought was an excellent choice now as far as as the de-aging because they don't de-age him in this that's just him Here's why I am fine with that. Hayden Christensen was criticized heavily for decades for the performance he gave as Anakin Skywalker, particularly in Attack of the Clone. People were always coming for him like he's a bad actor. He doesn't know how to act. The character sucks. The dialogue is wooden. A lot of it was blamed on him. Had they gone in and smoothed out the lines a little bit in him, there's a good chance that they would have muted some of that performance. And I think they wanted to just give Hayden a chance to play that role. No, no alterations, no trying to mask him, no making it look like Luke at the, at the end of Mando season two. (laughs) Hayden, here is your chance to play this character to play this role we're not going to do anything to you we're going to let the strength of hayden's acting take you back to where he was 20 years ago and i'll be damned if the mad fucking hermit didn't pull it off didn't come back 20 years later and pull it off because that's really Anakin fucking skywalker it was honestly okay to start the episode like this first of all probably the strongest opening that like gave you a visceral reaction because just just seeing him on screen, his actual face, he wasn't burned. He wasn't in a tank. He wasn't barely covered, mostly covered with Darth Vader armor. And then just like just the bottom of his chin is visible. You know what I mean? Like we got to see him on screen for the first time. And you're just like the camera, like it was on Coruscant and the camera pulled back. And I was like, no fucking way. I was shook. No fucking way. Oh my God. No, it's, and Mullet Obi-Wan also made a return. <laughs> that was great. It was cute. Mullet Obi-Wan was back. Uh, some people have claimed that Anakin is looking at Padme's apartment. Uh, I, I checked it. I disagree. It. I disagree. It is the same room as the, uh, I believe is the Order 66 flashback yeah, at the beginning. So, someone did point that out to me and I was like, oh, well, that it, makes it, this look, more interesting. <laughs> well, it's clearly a training room. Like, and that's also, what it it's like <laughs> it's they're only going to build one set. You know what I yeah. mean? They're not going to build... <laughs> they only have one set. They might as well build one really good set. And it's right. a really good set. And it's it's lit differently both times. So it does look different. Like, it's oh, yeah. not... Yeah, the night and day thing, like, I barely recognize it was the same room. Hayden Christensen, congratulations on just everything. Like... I had said before the series started, I was like, 
Uh, one thing I'm really excited for is to see Hayden Christensen play Anakin with a good director because George Lucas, for all the things I can praise him for, he cannot direct actors for shit. And he just tells the actors what to do and expects them to do it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that Deborah Chow would be able to pull something out of Hayden, even in just these short scenes. He is just, he is embodying Anakin so well. The cockiness, the bravado, the ag- aggression that's eventually going to come out. Like, and that's why I'm fine with the fact they didn't de-age him. All that to say. <laughs> All that to say, that's why I'm fine with that. Okay. Just, it's Hayden Christensen coming back to say, fuck you to two decades of fans who told him his acting sucked. And I'm frankly here for that. Yeah, Reva gets promoted to Grand Inquisitor. Which, now in the context of looking back at the episode, um, was a scam. This was the moment I knew that she wasn't long for this position or uh-uh. she wasn't long for this status quo because i said was like grand inquisitor i was like hmm i was like that's suspicious <laughs> oh yeah that's weird he wouldn't he wouldn't have promoted her to grand inquisitor if he weren't being a dick about it uh, that's exactly what i thought i was like this was like not even a practical joke but like in the sense that this is like just being again cruel like he's just coming up with a way to be that much more evil he's like i'm gonna give you the title that you've always wanted and then immediately well, you think she always wanted right. so pen in that we think watching this scene that she's getting what she wants we think right. her ambition is to be the grand inquisitor but what in context he's really saying is let me let you get close to me so i can really tell if uh my so what i are know correct. is I mean, about yeah. to happen happens uh shout out to natalie holt's score like mm. it really came through for me in this episode like the bit where it's yeah. landing uh where the ships are landing or no it's the first transport that come in is where this note was uh just the score in this is really good it's it's still star Warsy, but it's kind of different but it's not as different as like the Mandalorian was. We don't have any like EDM techno beats. <laughs> there's no, like when the purge troopers attack the base, it's like, nope, there's no techno beat to attack the base right now. Yeah, just shout out Natalie Holt. Uh, great job. Uh, Haja is back. I was not expecting to see him again. He was and not a one episode character. He I was like back. it. Kamel Nanjiani is being the comic relief and playing the Kamel Nanjiani character. And I mean, yeah, he got like a minuscule C line or a C story, like, but you know what? Whatever. Yep. He uh he also got to be somewhat important to the plot at the end of the episode. That's right. So there you go. Yeah. Uh also a uh, couple of minor details about this sequence. Um, so when Leia's us- ushered off to the side. Uh, you know, so Obi-Wan can talk to Roken. Uh, she goes and talks to Corrin, uh, the little boy from episode two, who is our Legends Easter egg. Ah, okay. So Corrin Horn is in this again. I have learned in the interim that Michael A. Stackpole, who created the character of Corrin Horn, uh, is aware of uh, this little Easter egg and was delighted by it, apparently. So that was cool. Uh, Eli Vanto win. It, 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 it shouldn't be difficult. Uh, 2023 because uh, Thrawn shows up in uh, in Ahsoka. Ahsoka, Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm fucking terrified that like Thrawn's going to show up in like as the big bad of the Mandalorian stuff and the Eli will be nowhere to be seen. Arlani will never be mentioned. Um, They will (laughs) never That's your biggest fear. That's my (laughs) biggest fear right now. That is my biggest fear right now is 
yeah. no Eli Vanto in the Mandalorian timeline. Truly, mm. I am terrified. Um, I mentioned last time Christina Ariel had a cameo. Uh, she is also on set for this. Uh, so you can see her in the background, most notably at the end of the episode. She's sitting next to Leia. So once again, shout out to Christina Ariel, the host of the High Republic show. Uh, she's badass and you should follow her on Twitter. A uh, couple of more notes with this sequence. Uh, so Obi-Wan tells Roken that we'll, we'll do whatever we can to help, uh, which is great because that's where his character arc is right now. You remember mm-hmm. Obi-Wan in episode one was like, absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not going to do, do shit. Yeah. I'm not going to do shit. And now he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll do anything we can to help you. I also like that he's gradually becoming more Jedi-like. Like mm. in the physical like clothes that he is wearing, he kind of changes into a Jedi like yeah. robe in in Episode Four, and and now he's just wearing the full on robe. While Vader approaches Jabim, the reprogrammed Lola hacks the electrical system of the Jabim base and traps the group by sealing the hangar door. Kenobi realizes the Empire is coming and Vader plans to attack. Flashback to our fight again, where during the training session, Anakin advances aggressively. Back in the present, Kenobi gathers the refugees to begin preparing for a fight. So the shot of Vader looking out at hyperspace is fucking incredible. I love that visual anyway, like of hyperspace, like when you're on the ship, it's different from the lights. Like when you first take off, the lights going is like interesting. But then when you're in hyperspace, that bluish whatever is just amazing. Well, we've also seen that shot before that that shot of somebody looking out a window. uh, We've seen it in Clone Wars season seven when Ahsoka does it. And uh, here's a teaser to listen to it. This will not be the last nor the biggest time that Ahsoka Tano is referenced in this episode. Mm. There is a major, major Ahsoka Tano nod that we will get to. However, speaking of nods, we get another wall with some more Oribesh on it. You want to know what the Oribesh says, Bradley? It says, um, Kenobi season two coming uh, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That would be hilarious, though. <laughs> so there's not a lot of really fun Easter eggs in this one. Uh, we do get another for light and life. Uh, this one's really hard to translate because it's not. I didn't translate it, uh, but a few people, somebody in the Dark Side Divas Discord translated a good bit of it. Gingers or Plants on TikTok translated a good bit of it. Uh, so we do get a for light and life. We do get the names of some obscure Legends Jedi, some more initials, vague. One thing that I realized that was really funny was that. Uh, Kenobi, actually, the line he delivers is not the line that is written in Orabesh. There's a, there's some slight differences, which is just slightly funny to me because congratulations, Bradley. Obi-Wan Kenobi also can't read. Well, to, pay, to be fair, no one in Star Wars can technically read. Like, they just know what symbols mean. So that's what that's my going with because there's no paper in Star Wars. What's more interesting to me, and I didn't have time to do this, because I sort of ran through it very quickly. He looks at a bunch of lightsabers in a box. Ah, yes. The implication being that like Jedi have reached a beam and we know from previous episodes that what they do is they get new identities. They drop their lightsabers off. And I would have been curious to know if we recognize any of the lightsabers. 
you now, know, I thought they weren't. I thought they were going to just put the Galaxy's Edge lightsabers in that box and be like, "Yeah, these are some real Jedi's lightsabers. Uh-huh. You could also buy them for two hundred and ninety nine dollars at the Disney park." It's two hundred and fifty dollars. You're paying okay. for the experience, and it is worth the money. That's right. The lightsaber isn't, but the experience sure is. <laughs> uh, I I do want to cross reference those at some point. If we remember from the Bad Batch, I went fucking insane trying to identify the lightsaber. Right. Uh, I will probably do the same thing eventually. Uh, maybe mm. in time for our recap, I will take that shot and I will cross-reference lightsabers. I don't mm. know a lightsabers guy. I have a planet's guy. I have a ship's guy. I have a droid's guy, but I don't have a lightsabers guy. I need to get a lightsabers guy. You know how everybody has like, you have a car guy, you have an appliances guy that you, you call. Have a lightsaber guy. I, I don't have a lightsaber guy. I need to get one. I will note. So another thing that almost was a nitpick. And then I went and rewatched the episode was initially at the end when there's two transports. I thought it was some rise of Skywalker bullshit where they were like, Oh, there was two transports in the desert. Uh, the whole time you actually consistently see the second transport in the background. Good. Like, Cause I thought like that, they don't draw away. attention to it, but I thought that it was a bullshit thing that came out. At, no, you, if you watch the visual, as I tell my boyfriend constantly, you have to watch, there's visual storytelling. And the visual storytelling is there are two transports. Gotcha. So that was almost a nitpick. But then I rewatched the episode. I like that when the thing shuts and they're like, they must have been, we must have been tracked. Do you know what there isn't in this, Bradley? There is not a scene where there's blame thrown around for it. nobody's like y'all led the people back here you know the girl's droid must have been reprogrammed this is all a mistake wade died for nothing yada yada yada. we didn't get that scene it was immediate they are here we need to deal with it and i love that and i forgot too in the beginning roken does say he's like we literally waited for you guys like we didn't go because we were waiting for you and leia to come back like so that was interesting yeah why did they wait I liked that they, well... I mean, other than plot. Like, why would, like, in an, an actual plot and reason, also they're not right. dicks. Like, right. they wanted to give them time to get back. Uh, and then everybody leaves on the transport together. But I did like that they did not have a sequence where, like, the heroes fight with Bicker over, like, whose fault right. it was. That, it was like, no, the Empire's here. We need to deal with it. It's a very mature way to handle it. The fucking shot... Of Darth Vader looking out the window of his Star Destroyer at Jabim. And he's reflected in the window. And it looks like he is like ominously looming out of the darkness of space itself at Jabim. Might be my favorite shot in Star Wars. I love that fucking shot. Just because it's so beautifully crafted. Uh, So the bit where Obi-Wan is giving out orders. And he's like... um, we could survive this. We have to work together. Yada, yada. I'm literally watching that. And I'm going, that's General Kenobi. He is fully re-embraced being General Kenobi. Gotta love that pre-finale uh, character arc. <laughs> There's a character arc here. Did you want to talk about the flashback at all? Or? Uh, I do not have any notes on this flashback. Okay, okay. Outside of the base, the Empire arrives with a battalion of stormtroopers and purge troopers, and they begin to bombard the door. Inside, Leia volunteers to investigate why the hangar won't open. Kenobi receives a message from Organa stating he will go to Tatooine to protect the boy if he doesn't hear from him soon. 
Tala confides in Kenobi about her past trauma with the Empire. So Reva's fucking terrifying when um, she's like screaming at them to fire. Yes. Uh, and gun. We'll get to it in the next bit, but something about Reva doing that is it's so weird that she's like being like, uh, why haven't you guys started firing yet? Da, 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 to cut to, she just uses the lightsaber to cut the door down by herself in three seconds. So it's like, why didn't she just do that to begin with? <laughs> well, I mean, I imagine the thing probably weakened the door right. is what happened. So that's the thing that's was able to weaken out, yeah. the structural integrity of the door enough that she could get her lightsaber through it. That is a blast door. That is a mining blast door. Right. That is intended. And what she does, she doesn't even cut through it necessarily. She, she cuts, cuts through it enough to slice yeah. the lock in half and then rips it apart with the force. I see. Okay. Yes. Uh, so she's scary. <laughs> so they're arguing they're talking about like what are we going to do how are, how are we going to do this and and roken's like well i can't go crawling around in bets yada, yada yada and leia's like i'm going to need a ladder and uh, I'm like vivian lyra blair any role you want for the rest <laughs> of your life you should not need to audition for shit i know it's so good it's so cute <laughs> girl so fucking good love her because it's it's just the right mix of like regal regal bearing leadership childish impe- impetuance Vivian any role you want for the rest of your life should be yours. This is uh, I love her so much. I hate children and I love Leia in this. Uh, I do love Obi Wan standing up for Leia when Roken's like absolutely the fuck not and Obi Wan's like, um, <laughs> like do you trust, trust me her. I trust her. Which, that is Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala's kid. He's like, I know exactly what they're Anybody, of, yeah. You may not know who you're dealing with, but I know who I'm dealing with. And not only right. that, but Leia has proved herself to him time and time again. That she is, because if you remember when he initially rescued her on Dayu, it was very, do what I say, don't make noise, don't talk, keep your head down, stay in line. And now he's like, yeah, just let her do what she wants. She if she that. says she can help, she can help. So like... There's this relationship between them now that when they get to A New Hope and Luke says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi and Leia freaks the fuck out. And it's like, Ben Kenobi is here? Where the fuck is he? <laughs> uh, so much more meaning. So much I, more meaning to that. I need someone to do like an auto, like a, an audio, like kind of dub over where like they somehow they can make their computer sound exactly like Leia. And they could be like, she just goes like, Ben Kenobi, where? I haven't seen him in 10 years since he rescued me on Javim. Or, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's been eight. Extra... so funny. Or eight years speaking, since I've been on Javim. Speaking of Leia, this has been pointed out in numerous episodes, uh, but we have not pointed it out. However, I'm going to point it out here. Did you notice what her hair is doing? Is it slowly going into little cross buns? She has two braids hanging down from the back of her hair. And one of them is slipped down around her, sh- to the front of her shoulder. She has a Padawan braid. Uh, I like that. She has a little Padawan braid and has had one for three episodes. God damn it, this rewatch is going to be so good. Right? <laughs> right? So I get to marathon it for a retrospective. And then my yeah. boyfriend and I are currently watching through like, Star Wars in in order. Uh, We did the Rebellion era and we've jumped back to do the prequel era where in Clone Wars, I get to watch it for the retrospective and then in a few weeks I get to watch it again with him. I'm so excited (laughs) to just watch, keep watching this show because this is so good. 
I, you know, I have a thought about that. So for the finale and both for the finale and the rewatch. So theoretically you can watch it all at once in a five hour block. Are you going to do a five hour block watch? Absolutely. The fuck. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The fuck. Yes. Absolutely. That's dedication we, people. That's that, dedication. Well, I mean, we watched book of Boba Fett all in one day. Yeah. And it vastly improved my experience watching book of Boba Fett to just sit mm. and watch it like one giant movie. Interesting. I wonder, a could you a lot of the pacing make more sense in the first four episodes. I'm wondering now, like I kind of on my side, I want to download all the episodes of Kenobi and then put them into like iMovie or something and cut out all the credits until the very end and see if I end the like the recaps and shit and just try to like edit into one movie and see if it works. Like if you could just without I'll bet commercial you it does. Break, I'll bet you it does. Like you just cut to the next scene. You cut to the next scene and then it just there's no like ending. I wonder how like good that would be with no pause in between. Well, it's clearly how it's intended. The creators have said over and over again, like we're making a six hour movie. We're making a six hour movie. And we all kind of looked at it and was like, girl, you're making TV. Just say you're making TV. Everybody's so scared of saying I'm making a TV show. And then we get the show and it's like, no, this really is like a six hour movie. So, you know, what? like we didn't me... get the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, but we got it in, but we in got it six anyway. hours instead. Well, this reminds me of... Um justice league the Zack snyder cut or whatever i don't know if the you four hour where right. they where they, did where the they had the parts cut. thrown in there yeah but now I, to be I fair that was garbage that. but like yeah this but they gave me the, the vibes of that like theoretically it's like if you were to watch it you could throw the part one part two part three part four part five in there part six and then that way like it would break up the action but it would only be just like that little bit that just is like part one like, and then it would just go into part one. And then it would just, you know what I mean? Well, it's Instead like, of just cutting it. Well, it's like, too, you could you could break up Lord of the Rings the same way. So if if you watch the Lord of the Rings, the extended cuts, the correct versions, that's so big that it comes on two DVDs. So essentially, instead of watching three movies, you're watching kind of six half movies. And the thing about Lord of the Rings is that it's one continuous story. Uh, that's a thing that often gets, I think, forgotten in film circles. The story is one continuous story. It is not um, a movie and then a sequel and then the, the final one. So you can break it down that way. I honestly think Lord of the Rings would have made an excellent TV show uh, if they had done it. Well, you're in luck. <laughs> I know we're getting Rings of Power that is different. <laughs> I will be watching it. I will have... <sighs> Listeners, I have insinuated on this podcast that i have other obsessions besides star wars lord of the rings was a love return of the king is my favorite movie of all time and there's a reason for that so when rings of power comes out i'm gonna be insufferable (laughs) well everyone this is just announced by charles that his new podcast gold uh ring gaze is coming out soon to talk about (laughs) (laughs) the new lord of the rings show just I'm doing uh, I'm doing fucking Sauron's Drag Race. Oh, that's a good one too. I I was I was trying to think of one that was more like on brand with what we already have, which is Gold Squadron. So I was like Gold Ring Gaze, lol. But I like I do like Sauron's Drag Race. That's funny too. Oh my god! So we do get Tala's backstory in this, and it is uh, heartbreaking. Um, I love her. I I just the whole premise of a character who has done something awful because they thought they were doing the right thing and decides to use the power that they have to help others 
And having that character be part of the reason that Obi-Wan regains his faith, essentially, and his willingness to help people and fight for people is so... I love her so much. She makes the little notches in her holster for every every battle she survives. It's like... And then she gives... She gives the whole thesis statement of the show where she's like, you know, you can't change the you can't change the past, but you can fight to make things better, which Obi-Wan will eventually do in episode four. I have a lot of feelings about this. I I just have feelings. So I love her and I love her scenes, but this was creeping into the territory of um, if you ever watch RuPaul's Drag Race, you know that in the workroom when the queens are getting ready for the final runway if one queen starts talking about her past and her past trauma that queen is going home that episode and unfortunately that's what tala did here she said hey here's why my here's my tragic backstory here yeah and here's uh how i redeem myself oops oh guess what's gonna happen this episode guys i'm gonna redeem myself and uh that doesn't usually end well for people in star wars well it's, it's also worth noting that that adds a dimension to it because she redeems herself saving Force-sensitive children. And what did she do in her backstory? She participated in genocide. When she did that, realizing at the time what she was doing, she dies preventing that genocide from continuing to this specific group of people, which I want a Tala book. I will write the Tala book. I will write it. I I have been clear that my number one pitch is is if I ever got in a room with Del Rey, the first thing I would pitch would be a Holdo novel because I have a pitch for a Holdo novel. Uh, But I've got one for Tala cooking in my give it give it to me. I will write it. I will write it for you. That'd be a good idea. Hire Del Rey. Hire me. And then I I want Indira Pharma to do the audiobook. Indira Pharma does the audiobook narration. Yes. Yes. Do this. Do this. It sell a billion copies. She does mention Garel. Do you want to know about Garel? Yeah, sure. Bradley, we've seen Garel before. Where have we seen it? We have seen Garel in Star Wars Rebels. Do you um, remember in season two where they have to leave Lothal at the end of season one? Well, the beginning of season two. And they're kind of running around looking for a new base. But they sort of have that planet that they're on all the way kind of up until it gets bombarded by the Empire. So it's the first kind of planet they're on. It shows up a lot in season one and two. I've got the Wikipedia up. The planet where they, the third episode of season one, where they have the one with C-3PO and R2, and they're stealing the disruptor rifles. That's Gorel. Uh, we spend a good chunk of season two there. I guess it's just been a long time since I've seen Rebels, so I just yeah. have to go back and watch it. Rebels fans will know what planet I'm talking about. Gotcha. Okay. So it is the planet from season two, that they're on for a while and then it gets bombarded. I thought it might be the site of the massacre uh, that Mon Mothma calls Palpatine out on. It is not. That is the Gorman massacre. So mm. slightly different. Uh, but Garel is from the same show. It's from Rebels. Now you know that's where Tala did a war crime. Meanwhile, the outer doors are buckling under pressure. Kenobi asked for a ceasefire with Riva in order to buy some time. During the discussion, Reva reveals how she knew about Anakin and how she used to be a Padawan. Kenobi realizes Reva's true goals and offers to help her. She rejects him and begins to cut the door down herself. So Roken has a bowcaster. 
I noticed that. I just like I, that he has a bowcaster. Well, one, I like it because it's like it's a different weapon. I like when somebody has a unique character thing that just makes them unique. Where did he get the bowcaster from? Because I'm like, we only know one other person in the whole entire galaxy who uses bowcasters. So uh, he got the bowcaster from Fast and Furious Star Wars. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's where he got it. He got it because bowcasters are cool. That's right. And O'Shea Jackson Jr. is going to have a cool fucking weapon. That's exactly right. Yeah, so uh, Reva knowing who Vader was, basically everyone was like she might have seen him at the temple, and turns out that's exactly what happened. We uh, called it. Now, I had said, oh, it might be cool if she's, like, getting it out of Obi-Wan's mind when she's right. in the thing. No, she uh, has a first-hand account. <laughs> she has a first-hand account. Well, here's the thing. There's a difference between there's there's a certain degree of responsibility you have to have with theorizing, right? So when you theorize something about a show that's ongoing, particularly one like this, this is a serial that's ongoing. You have to be careful not to let your personal theory cloud your enjoyment of the final product. Hmm. This is a thing. I have my issues with game theory. I do. Uh, and the spinoff film theory. Uh, but one thing that it did point out that I respect it for, it is, if you don't know what game theory slash film theory is, it is a guy who does like ridiculous theories about media, like Mario is a psychopath secretly, uh, and then uses little obscure things to try to prove right. the theory. They had a video that raised the point, and I agree with it. Part of the backlash to The Last Jedi was after The Force Awakens, Everyone had a theory about where it was going to go. And theorizing took over the internet space. And so when people saw the movie and it wasn't what they had theorized, they became really upset about it. And I think that we have to be careful when we're theorizing. It would be easy for me to say, Reva knowing who Vader is because she saw him at the temple is dumb and I didn't like it. Uh, because I thought that she should have like gotten the information from Obi-Wan and he betrayed Anakin to her. That would be something I could say, uh, but it would be really fucking stupid for me to say. So when we theorize, is it what I thought? Is it my preferred theory? No. Is it fucking fantastic and excellent and puts everything into context and is exactly what a twist should be? Yes, 100%. Because, oh boy, does this change everything. Yeah, now they do go a little bit deeper into it later on, but what we have now, you're like, huh? So Riva's not who we thought she was this whole time. So Riva's so Riva's backstory was this: someone betrayed her, and she got screwed over by someone in a position of authority. Got found by the Inquisitors, and now has ambition. And we thought the person in the position of authority who screwed her over was the Jedi and her ambition was to be a Sith. Turns out the person who screwed her over was Anakin fucking Skywalker. (laughs) And her ambition is to kill Anakin fucking Skywalker. Revenge does good for the body. Well, here's here's the good thing about this twist though, right? Because it doesn't change anything about her character. It recontextualizes her character. A good twist doesn't just come out of nowhere. A good twist makes you look back at everything that happened before it and go, that explains that. Empire Strikes Back. In Empire Strikes Back, the big twist is 
I guess, spoilers for The Empire Strikes Back, which came out in 1970 or 81 or whenever it came out, or was it 80? I forget. Um, Vader is Luke's father. When we come into that movie and Vader's like super obsessed with finding Luke, like that's his whole thing. Like he is obsessed with finding the pilot who killed the Death Star. We think the whole movie that he just wants to find him because he's super powerful. And then when we learn that Vader is Luke's father, it recontextualizes everything we saw in the movie. And we're like, oh, that's why he's obsessed with him because it's his fucking kid. This Reva twist is the same way and I love it. Well, what I like too is like you said, recontextualize If you go back to the first episode and Reva's like, why are we hunting these small ass weak Jedis? Like, why aren't we going after the big fish? And it makes you think like, why does she want to go after bigger fish? But, but she, as an Inquisitor, she should be happy with just taking down any Jedi because that's all their job is, right? It's just hunting Jedi and Force users. So you're just like, eh, anybody she is needs, fine. She needs Vader's attention. She needs exactly. to draw Vader out so she can kill him. And the fact that she knew who Anakin was this whole time, knowing his backstory, she knew who his Padawan was because it's not like it's a secret. So she could be like, huh. She fucking calls him on it. Right. She calls him on it in this scene. She's like, he's your Padawan. Where were you? Uh, yeah, you abandoned Riding him. a lizard halfway across the galaxy. And it, that's part of the Being issue. Being assassinated. With, that's what I was doing. Well, that's the thing with Revenge of the Sith. Palpatine orchestrates a situation to get Obi-Wan off of Coruscant. He specifically engineers a situation where Obi-Wan is, not, is sent out, but Anakin has to stay behind. So... That is because if Obi-Wan was there, he would have put a stop to it and Anakin would have listened to him. But so shout out uh, to, to the Galactic Pod, uh, to those ladies over there. They were the only podcast that I listened to who successfully called, literally called this exact twist, literally called it like down to the, she is trying to kill Vader. She is rising through the ranks to get close to Vader so she can kill him. That's At the so time weird. I listened I to that, I was like, that. I was like, that's such an interesting theory. Uh, and then I watched the episode and I specifically tweeted out that morning. So apropos of nothing, you should be listening to the Galactic Pod. They're very good. I actually do want to return to that, that do you really want Anakin deadline that she says to him? Because what's really heartbreaking about that line is he will. He doesn't yet. But by Return of the Jedi, he's arguing with Luke, like, you need to kill Vader. There's no other way. He, he can't be redeemed. You need to kill him. So that's an extra additional heartbreaking dimension to this scene. Do you feel good, hmm. Bradley? Well, I was going to say, too, and also recontextualize, too, a little bit. Like, you have somebody like Kenobi who has this true, like, true familial, essentially, connection to Anakin. And at the end of Return of the Jedi, he's like, nah, just kill him. There's no other way. And then his own son Anakin's own son who does not know him other than being a guy who has tried to kill him twice is like nah I can redeem him like he's he deserves a chance nah I can fix him right <laughs> that's so weird to me that like somebody like that no, no barely knows Vader he I mean he barely knows Vader we believes in him is the thing right that's that's the difference is that Luke, by that point, is the only person who really believes in Vader, like right. believes in Anakin, believes there's something in there. Obi-Wan's given up. And, and it's heartbreaking watching this scene of him struggling to hold on to that when we know he's going to give it up eventually. So um, the reason we have the content warning 
at the start of the episode mm-hmm. is that uh, Anakin sure straight up murders some fucking kids on screen. No, that didn't happen. That, that, that's, a, that's not a thing. Yeah, they. Uh, I know they. It's shocking, but they went there. Well, I want to talk about that. So I want to talk about Order 66 as portrayed in legends and other media. Because oftentimes in media, the actual action of Order 66 focuses on the adults. Right. And there's some, I can't remember, I I wasn't going to say their name anyway, but I saw a really bad take that was like, one thing I want out of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show is I really just want to see Anakin going ham in the Jedi Temple and like killing all the masters and knights and Padawans doesn't mention younglings specifically. But like, because when we saw Order 66 and the attack on the temple, a lot of times it was adults or teenagers that were being targeted, being shown to be targeted. Uh, Like if you go play through the games, if you play through, uh, if you read through any of the things, it's mostly adults. Uh, a lot of times the kids are showing as shown as escaping. Maybe younglings will escape, uh, but the master dies or something like that. Right, like right, we right. almost saw at the start of the, the series. The series, yeah. The only piece of media thus far to really hammer home that there were fucking children in this temple and those children murdered was Revenge of the Sith. Because mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith was making the point this genocide which i'm gonna keep using that word because that is what this is the genocide of the jedi order targeted everybody and that is what these exterminations do they will come for everyone they will not just come for the adults they will not just come for the older teenagers they're coming for kids too obi-wan kenobi follows that on by showing us the horror of order 66 right by showing this young girl losing all of her friends and watching them get murdered and then having to lie in their dead bodies so long she feels the bodies go cold when she said that line i was like where's where's the emmy for where's the emmy give her the awards now (laughs) in a drama give them all to jesus i was like it was so good i was so shook because i was like not only are we getting like true backstory, I will say though, uh, confirmation wise, I looked it up this episode and the first episode, all the Padawans are the same actors. So it is okay. the same group of kids. So it is the same group of kids. Yep. So that little black girl in the very first episode, that's Reva. That was, that was so, Reva. Yep. Okay. Yep. I love it because, because it is a demonstration of the horror, the sort of side themes of this show the horror of living through and after an extermination of your people and how that trauma affects people in different ways. Obi-Wan is dealing with it. Tala is dealing with it. Roken is dealing with it. And Reva is dealing with it. The person who's not dealing with it is the person that was doing it and is continuing to do it which is Vader. Just love the inversion of what people think Order 66 is, which is this Anakin is badass and killing all of the Jedi versus what media is showing Order 66 to be, which is Order 66 was fucking horrifying and disgusting and vile. And you should feel horrified when you look at it. Um, I want to bring up a tiny mini tangent. Um, Okay. Someone I was talking to was talking about how 
they well one well you know it doesn't look great for Riva at the end of this show but if by some yeah. chance if by some chance she does survive someone brought it to my attention that there are a lot of similarities between Riva and the Ronin character in the Star Wars Visions oh, comic series or interesting show and I thought that would make a really good like show if it was now, just about Riva being like that Ronin like characters hunting other Sith. Hold on now, 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 Bradley, have you read the novel Ronin by Emma Miko Candon? It's it's on my audiobooks, like in the queue. <laughs> like I haven't purchased it yet, but it's like it's on my next like couple purchases. Like skip that bitch list. up the queue. Okay, skip that bitch up the queue. First of all. First of all, it is the gayest Star Wars book. Like, well, no, second gayest. Midnight Horizon has actually beaten it now. Most queer characters in a single Star Wars work. There is only one straight (laughs) cis man, uh, and he is a villain in the book. It's so good. But I would be interesting to hear you read that book and then come back and address that point. Because we learn things about the Ronin in that book. The last kind of note that I have here is... uh, I just want to shout out Ewan McGregor's acting. Oh, okay. I mean, the whole show is just one giant shout out to Ewan McGregor for your acting. It's yeah, it's kind of like a love but letter in, to him. In in this scene when he's listening to this and like his face, sir, shout out to you just for your brilliant acting. Like he's Boris. so good. Once inside the base, a gun battle ensues between the Empire and the Path Fighters. Kenobi joins the fight, but the Empire pushes through. The fighters retreat, and during the fight, Tala is hit and falls to the ground. Ned B uses his body as a shield to protect her, but to help Kenobi (laughs) retreat, she pulls out a detonator, sacrificing herself to stop the advance. In the flashback scene, Skywalker drives Kenobi to the edge of the balcony and tells his master to admit he's been beaten. There is an actual Battle of Jabim that I am watching on my TV screen. (laughs) And as someone who invested in Legends as hard as I did, I never thought that I would see some like an actual Battle of Jabim. Yeah, it's not exactly the same one yeah. as it was in the comics, but there's a Battle of Jabim and I'm watching it and I think that's cool. And it's a really good battle. It's a chaotic pitched battle. There's blaster bolts flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're in the tunnel, so they're forcing the stormtroopers to like bottleneck in as they're sort of retreating i love that like two of the guys have like shields and the shields actually work like they're absorbing the blaster bolts like you can see them the shields actually work which i think is cool okay i didn't want to talk about this part i tried to make it as quick and painless as possible so in episode three (laughs) i believe it's tala says about ned b actions speak louder than words Ned B doesn't speak a single word in this, but his final action is shielding Tala with his dead deactivated body so that she can pull the, the trigger on the detonator. And it like was, Indira, Indira Varma, like her face, her acting, her desperation, her pain in this scene, when she reaches out to like touch him and then touches her wound... And like, it's clear that she knows what she's going to. She's one of my favorite actresses. And this is a scene that I'm going to point to as to why. I Look was at also, this performance. Look was, at how good this is. I was also getting like, I, I guess I was getting triggered and flashback to Rogue One when K2SO sacrifices himself. Uh, yeah. I think we're all reason. traumatized by 
by by K2SO. Just robots dying in droids dying in Star Wars. It's just traumatic droids for me. Dying is sad. Why? Why it are we sad. so triggered? I don't understand. Be- because it is because we have had to watch real. we had to watch we had to watch L3 die. We had to watch it's so true. K2 die and and now we have to watch Ned B die. Why are they we killing had- off the newer more interesting character driven droids? Look, Chopper's still alive. Chopper's going to be in Ahsoka. But he's if also Chopper, a murderer, listen, so, you know, that's why he's probably being kept alive. Yeah, but he's my murderer. Listen to me, Dave. You I'm talking him. directly <laughs> to you, you motherfucker. If you kill Chopper, if you kill Chopper in the Ahsoka show, I will do nothing because I am a very respectful fan of your work. But I will cry four days and wail and gnash my teeth. Dave, Dave. Don't do it, Dave. So when the flashback scene, when they're fighting, and the flashback scene's very obviously parallel. Right, to um, the action that we're seeing. The to the action that we're seeing. I'm not going to dwell on that too much because, I mean, we, we, we could break down every single, every single fight scene in this and how it yep. parallels the episode. Like in this one, you know, Anakin gets the upper hand because he knows Kenobi. In the present, Vader gets the upper hand because he knows Kenobi better than Reva does. And Kenobi outwits him by using his own weapon against him. Reva, Vader even says later on, you were wise to use, he was wise to use you against me. How does Obi-Wan beat Anakin in the flashback? He force pulls his own weapon to him. It's, it's parallels. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Right. It's good fucking directing and writing. Uh, but I do want to point out some of the moves that they're using are from the episode three fight, uh, particularly in this segment of the flashback that I noticed. All right, let's let's move on from this section before yeah. I start crying. Indira Varma, I love you so much. You're so good. Believing that they have lost, Kenobi decides to surrender himself to Vader. Kenobi is brought to Riva, who informs Vader of Kenobi's capture. Kenobi reiterates his plan to Riva. Back in the flashback, the two resume fighting. Skywalker manages to knock the lightsaber out of Kenobi's hand. Kenobi warns his Padawan that he need, his need for victory blinds him. Back in the present, Vader arrives and seeks Kenobi out himself. So Obi-Wan really just does pull a there are alternatives to fighting. Like he says a different, there are different ways to fight, but he really just pulls a there are alternatives to fighting. I I love that. One thing I also love that is kind of a callback. So you remember we talked about how each episode has parallels to the corresponding episode of the Skywalker saga? Yes. So I will note that a good portion of the plot of this episode finds someone trying to repair a mechanical device while being pursued by the Empire and specifically Darth Vader. We've heard this plot before. <laughs> I will also point out that there are shocking revelations in this episode. I I, I just noted that when Leia was down uh, spending a bunch of the episode fixing the stuff, it, it was a parallel to Han having to fix the Falcon and that being the overarching plot of Empire is that they have to fix the Falcon while being chased around. Moses Ingram, I have no notes. I have no notes. It's the subtle Perfection. acting. It's yeah. the subtle acting. When you see it, yeah. when you see it on like the TV screen or the computer screen and you can really appreciate the subtle acting, no notes. Perfect. Literally perfect. Literally perfect. Speaking of uh, literally perfect acting, in the flashback scene, when Anakin disarms Obi-Wan, do you see his little smile? He does the same little cocky smile that he does in Revenge of the Sith. Hayden Christensen has been the object of many fantasies for the past <laughs> 11 years. 
Oh my, and, and this is going to fuel more of them. That's right. This is going to fuel more of them. No, he does the little like smile that he does. Like he does it in like the cockpit. He does it when he's looking at Padme. He does it when he's really happy. And he does it when he's, he's looking at Obi-Wan. And Hayden, sir, again, no notes. No notes. So one question that I had in episode four was how did Reva manage to reprogram Lola essentially just by holding her? So I, I guess we can talk about this now. The only thing I noticed was at the end when Leia finds her, it's just a restraining bolt. On it's Lola. just a restraining bolt. She slapped a restraining bolt on Lola. So it must be either a pre-programmed thing or it's something. A pre-programmed yeah, thing. it has to be because it was just like, it just doesn't make any sense. So I could have asked that last week, but I didn't because I was taking my own advice and keeping watching to see if they would show us. Explain to us how, They showed yeah. us, slapped on a restraining bolt that sort of got in and turned Lola over. And that's how she was able to do it just by holding Lola. Very happy Lola is back. Yeah, I thought we, we thought, we theorized that she was going to get destroyed when they found yep. out that she was thing, but thankfully no. So I thankfully think she no. Hasbro, Hasbro can keep selling Lola toys. I think that's exactly why they didn't kill her. Because they I were like, if we kill this droid and we just made four different animatronic toys of this dumbass fucking flying a robot. a whole crate of them at Celebration. Just a whole glass case of them. I'm like, th- there's no way. They even, I know there's even a plush coming out. There's even like, they are going to milk this Lola thing dry. I can, I can feel it. Meanwhile, Kenobi breaks free of the stormtroopers and heads back to the base. Leia discovers Lola was the cause of the hangar problems and frees her from Imperial control. The refugees board the ship and prepare for launch. Vader forces his way inside the hangar bay. He uses the force to grab Roken's freighter, preventing the ship from ascending and forcing it to the ground. He rips the ship apart only to find that it is an empty decoy. The path fighters and refugees escape on a second freighter while Vader watches in fury. Back in the past, Kenobi breaks free of Skywalker in the sparring match and uses the force to grab his Padawan's lightsaber. Kenobi tells Skywalker that he is a great warrior, but that his need to prove himself is undoing. Sorry, editing, Bradley. I, I got to Lola early because I really it's wanted okay. to get to the Vader sequence. That's fine. You know what? It works because now we can just talk about the Vader sequence because Jesus that fucking is so Christ. fucking intense. Oh my God. Oh my God. This was giving me that same feeling when you see the Vader hallway scene for the first time, like in Rogue One. It, this was almost like that level of just sheer, like not, I don't want to say panic, but like, it makes you feel something like just joy, like a panicky joy. You're just like, <gasps> like he's using his like rage right here. Like, well, so here's good. something I want to point out. That's really interesting about this sequence. Vader is struggling. He is grunting with exertion. It is difficult for him to hold this thing back. He is pouring all of his rage and his hatred for Kenobi into holding this ship back, forcing it down and ripping the fucking thing open. When with that this, like making the ripping movements with his hands to like tear the ship apart. And I'm like, yes, but also that was Obi-Wan's plan. Like the parallel between the flashbacks and the present, Obi-Wan says, you'll need to prove your, you need to prove yourself And you'll always be a learner, essentially. And we'll get to that in just a second. But here we see that Vader walked in, went for the first transport he saw taking off, which clearly they had set to autopilot, tired himself out trying to take it down. And then the ship took off. 
which again is part all part of the plan (laughs) (laughs) yep so the plan was clearly don't get in this ship vader's coming everybody pile into this ship we're gonna let the first one take off and while vader is tearing it apart trying to get to us because his anger is going to blind him to which ship we're on then we're going to escape it parallels the scene from Rise of Skywalker where Rey does the same thing with the ship with Chewie on it. She doesn't realize that he's not on the ship that she pulls down. Because she's, she's so just obsessed so with getting it back yeah. and right. so distraught. Yeah, see, it's sequel trilogy fans. You are fed with this. Like, <laughs> Yeah, just throw a, a Darth Vader skin on it and they're like, wow, it's amazing. But if a woman does the same thing, she's... <laughs> exactly. It's how can she do that? Right. She's How too strong. She, she's too she's OP too if she can do she, that. She shouldn't be able to, to right. pull ships down from orbit. But if Darth Vader does, it's like, wow, that's so cool. So if cool. fucking if a fucking bald, pasty white guy pulls a Star Destroyer down out of the sky, it's like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, but a woman makes a rock move and suddenly she's OP. Okay. Yeah, I see you there. Anyways, this was an amazing scene. Love this. Oh, scene. my God. Well, so I, I love I love the the core lesson being and kind of the core overall thing with Vader up until this point is that he still has a need to prove himself by yeah. winning against Kenobi. And until he learns that he doesn't need to prove himself, he will continue to be a learner. So it's possible this is what they're going for when he delivers the line when i left you i was but the learner now i am the master it's possible that when they meet again at the death star vader has gotten much more control over his own emotion right he's still the, he's still technically anakin here yeah it's the not vader like, we see by this yeah it's that's another way to look at it maybe he's too much yeah. of anakin skywalker here right and he hasn't he's killed more of that because yeah. the vader we see by the time of a new hope throughout the new canon has settled pretty well into his role uh, by the time of A New Hope. And afterwards, he sort of gets shit on for a while. And then, you know, he discovers that Luke Skywalker is his son. And that is the point where he's like, oh, oh, we're good. We're about to have a problem. Back in the present, Reva attempts to attack a distracted Vader, but he uses the force to block her. They fight, but the Sith Lord gains the upper hand. Reva is haunted by the memories of Vader killing her fellow younglings, and she is stabbed by Vader. A revived Grand Inquisitor walks in and joins them, lamenting that revenge can fuel the will to live. The pair depart and leave Riva on the ground. So you know how we don't normally like go at fight scenes with a minute level of detail because that's not really what we do on this show. Neither of us are really fight choreographers. There's a lot that fighting can say, but it's not on us to sort of analyze yada yada. Yeah, fuck that. So I'm about to go into some intense detail on this one single fight sequence. Let's do it. There's so many different Because I fucking love this so much. There's so much coming into tie-in in this one sequence. Yeah. Like Vader dodging Reva's moves to fuck with her. Exactly the same way that Luke is dodging Kylo's moves on Crate to fuck with him. Like it's, it's the same movements. Like the same kind of dodging around. Uh, like it's poetry. It rhymes. Like how much time he just spends fucking with her. Like he's blocking the lightsaber with his hand, with his 
fucking hand with the force he is blocking this lightsaber. <laughs> what the fuck? And then, like, she tries to use the spinning thing. He stops it from spinning and pulls it to him, breaks it in half, and just tosses half of it. Let her, like, let's He's go. He's like, here you go. Now let's keep go. going. Yeah, I'm no. not done yet. Bobby's, get up. Get up. Come on. Ugh. Let's go. Let's go. And honestly, seeing him rip it apart was good too. Like, I mean, I know that they come apart. Like, that's not something that it doesn't do. But it's just interesting that, like, when he did it, it was such a cool move of being like, I have the two blades into two, like, two separate blades in my hands. And he's like, nah, but I only need one. Here you go. Well, here's the other thing, too, is that we've seen these lightsabers are difficult to fight against for lightsaber to lightsaber combat. They're double bladed, they spin, they break apart. They're very versatile. They're designed to kill force wielders and lightsaber users. Uh, Vader just brushes aside like it's nothing. Yeah, he's like, nah, the spinning thing is annoying. Stop he's like, doing nah, that. nah. <laughs> and then, then this motherfucker disarms Reba. The lightsaber gets knocked to the ground. He pulls it to him. He is double wielding the lightsabers and he pulls it up into a stand where they are both pointed forward and one is slightly above the other does that stance look familiar to you bradley enlighten us that is the same stance that ahsoka uses oh okay that is ahsoka's double-bladed stance particularly in the i saw a side-by-side of that and this their her stance when she's about to fight maul in siege of mandalore yeah it's a little different, but it's effectively the same stance. So um, he's using the move that he probably taught Ahsoka. So there's our big Ahsoka references. Vader briefly holds twin lightsabers in Ahsoka's ready stance. Deborah, <laughs> literally whatever you want. I I trust you. I trust Deborah Chow to do a Thrawn series. Honestly. I think that would be a good idea. Like, give, do it the exact same way Thrawn as Give to Deborah Chow. Yeah. Give, us, give him to Deborah Chow. All right? I, I kind of love it. Deborah Chow, do, do Thrawn stuff. Just do a, oh like my a God. Five, se- five season, you know, show just, just about Thrawn. That would be great. Thanks. Everybody, everybody like loves Dave Filoni and loves Jon Favreau and they're both great. Uh, they're both great. But in terms of like sheer raw directing, Deborah Chow, yeah. where the fuck? Like she's up there, up there with Bryce Dallas Howard and Ryan Johnson for me. In terms yeah, I was of gonna say about Bryce. Your like, mm, ability yeah. to direct, like direct a scene, unbelievable, unfucking believable. And then the Grand Inquisitor just walks up. <laughs> the best part of the whole episode. Hello. Hi. I bet you thought you saw the last of me. <laughs> <laughs> you really straight up pulled a surprise, bitch. Right. I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. Definitely Ryan Murphy-esque. I was getting uh, <laughs> the vibe. Like, we, we knew he was going to come back, but just the way they did it, where he just walks up and he's like, hi, I'm not dead. Right. Bet, bet you thought I was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost like your own ambition blinded you. Don't choke on your aspirations, Reva. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe check to make sure they're dead first, Reva. Right. But okay, make wait. Make sure they don't have two stomachs. Wait, wait. You just said that. Make sure to check if they're dead first. And then these two motherfuckers just walk away, leaving her <laughs> they're, they're plenty just leave alive her. on the ground. Because she's not worth killing. That blows my mind because they she's are not like, worth killing. She's she's no longer like worthy of our time. Not even worthy of killing. Like we're just leave you on this planet all by yourself. Who's she a threat to? 
Right. Nobody. Not them. She's a failure. She's a failure. She's lucky they left her alive. Genius. 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 Because that is such a Vader thing to do. And I almost think he does it because thinking like, you know, oh, great. If they're going to have revenge against me, great. That's my next Thursday appointment. (laughs) Because here's the thing. If she just dies, she's taken care of. Right. If she fucks off, he never has to see her again. If she's able to harness enough rage and hatred to get close to him again, she's worth paying attention to. It's it's just like Revan episode four. Any way this situation goes, Vader wins. Mm-hmm. Glorious. And finally, aboard Roken's ship, he tells Kenobi that their hyperdrive is down and that the Empire is in pursuit. Kenobi suspects something else is wrong when he can't find his hollow projector. On Jabim, Riva is crawling through the sand and finds Kenobi's hollow projector and intercepts Organa's message about Luke on Tatooine. We see him sleeping soundly at the Lars homestead for now. So Roken mentions the hyperdrive is down. It's a good, it's an interesting line. The the meaning of that is that they're going to have to travel at sublight speeds. Right. So in addition to dangers, it's, it's much easier for the Empire to follow them. Uh, among other things, I looked at the galaxy, at what galaxy map I could get. And I, I couldn't get a really good detailed map in time to record this episode. However, Jabim is in the Outer Rim. Uh, okay. Tatooine is also in the Outer Rim. It is entirely possible they will travel at sublight speeds to Tatooine. I think that's unlikely, but that is a possibility that that's where they're going with that is that they will have to they will have to land on Tatooine. I was I was thinking kind of more so in the vein of Reva somehow is going to find a ship with a hyperdrive, go to Tatooine first, then Oh, Kenobi I do think them, that also will happen. And then that way when since they're doing sublight to Tatooine, like they can have their whole showdown and everything with Vader and dealing with the empire and stuff. And then everything everybody thinks everything's good to go and then it's just like oh we're on tattooing now Reva's another problem <laughs> oh my god i just realized that the rematch between vader and kenobi might happen on tattooing yeah I, I i mean maybe because i have this poster right and it's it's the image of do you remember the shot of uh vader and he's he's just ignited the lightsaber and obi-wan's kind of underneath it from episode three it's the very yeah. first time Vader ignites his lightsaber. It's that shot, but it it it's not on Mapuzo. It appears to be on Tatooine. And there's also giant billboards. I live in Los Angeles. We get a lot of billboards. And the billboards have shown Vader standing on what looks like a cliff on Tatooine. Right. I have seen that. So yeah. it is possible that this final fight will happen on Tatooine. Because in Legends, Vader was so traumatized that he couldn't set foot on the surface. He has no such, no such limitations in canon. He has been to Tatooine before. I like it. I like the final showdown on Tatooine. That makes sense because I was trying to figure out how they were going to reconcile this Reva storyline now that they've thrown this out there that she somehow knows that this is Anakin's kid because I, I feel like she's smart enough to figure that out. We, you know, people didn't give her the benefit of the doubt last time. So now I'm giving it to her. Well, she knows, she knows something's up with the kids, right? She knows and more importantly, she knows one Owen lied to her. Right, because they just said the oh yeah Owen family. Owen whatever, lied yeah. to her, and two Owen's family is much more important to Obi Wan Kenobi. So I don't think she's going after Luke to get at Vader. I think she's going after Luke to pull Kenobi back. 
Oh, interesting. I was just reading in the, I think it's in the Wikipedia. It explicitly says Reva discovers Anakin Skywalker's son is on Tatooine. Uh, yeah, they don't say that in the episode. Right. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I, I think it was supposed to, I don't know if they were just inferring that that's what she came to. I believe Wikipedia that. is inferring. I think this might be a rare occasion of Wikipedia actually being wrong. Gotcha. Well, I think it's also early because the final episode hasn't aired. So we don't right. know like what she knows. You know, uh, all she knows is something important. All she knows is there yeah. are there are children who are important to Obi-Wan. One of them is Owen Lars. Kid. Right. And so she is going to go back because that bitch Owen Lars lied to her face. And she's go. Yeah, she's going to go after Luke. Because uh-huh. the final shot of the episode is Luke. And we were like, Luke isn't in the series at all. He's in one shot in the first episode. Nope, Luke's coming nope. back. Luke's coming back in a major way. I, 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 for a second there, I thought I was like, oh, what if they do a scene where Luke and Leia like meet each other? And I was like, no, they're not they, going to do they that. Won't. They can't they do won't. that. They but won't. I just like, for some reason, I just like, you're like, oh yeah, Luke hasn't been in the show yet. It was like, yeah, you're right. He hasn't been in the show technically. And it's like, oh wait, shit. What is if they accidentally make them? Right, it is the Leia show. So our final shot is of Luke Skywalker asleep. Nothing bad will happen to him in the immediate future. Yeah, they're like, uh, you can just say that like, oh no, 10 years goes by and now we start the next movie. Like, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll just move right into my final thoughts. Um, yeah. Give me the fucking finale like right now. Oh my God. I can't believe we have to wait. Oh my God. I've, I've heard through the grapevine. It's like an hour and a half. So uh, RIP to our episode. I know. I mean, this is only the pre-finale episode. And then this is about it's like... 38 minutes long and 38, 40 minutes long. And we've been at this for an hour 40. So yeah. Rip to our finale time. Uh, but my final thoughts are give me the finale right now, because if that was the dark night of the soul, uh, I, I need to know what that finale is. Yeah, gives same. me the climax now, now immediately in my face. And you know what? I and my I guess I don't know if you have anything else. Um, my final thoughts would be like I'm glad that we got what we got from Reva's backstory and her character arc and stuff here. I'm glad that they didn't also cheapen her death by just being like, okay, well now we're done with you. Let's now we're done. Kill Vader you kills here. you, and then like you're your whole entire point of being doesn't make any sense. Like you're like, okay, she's only in the first couple episodes and then like they kill her for no reason. I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, I'm glad that she survives for now. I don't necessarily I don't think she's going to make it out of the finale. Yeah, I don't know if she's going to make it, but hey, you know what? If she does, we'll see. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Bradley, go ahead and, and run the social so we can get to the finale quicker. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gates. Did Charles fuck something up? Email us and let us know at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze, and you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. There, I'm sure we can go through a whole entire. I'm sure we go naming gay themed Lord of the Rings podcast. You know, um, one one conquering to rule them all. I don't know. <laughs> I broke Bradley. I'm cutting that I'm out broke, and putting that in the bonus. He fell over. <laughs>